This is CG Talks, the podcast where CG guys talk about CG. This podcast is powered by GarageFarm.net, a place where 3D cloud rendering is incredibly fast and cheap. And we're live. So, hi everyone. For those of you just kind of discovering our podcast, welcome. For those of you who've been listening for a while, I know it's it's been some time since you've heard from uh from the guys but this is the beginning of possibly a few more uh episodes that will happen here and there but for now we'll call this a very special one-off featuring jasmine katatikarn i i hope i pronounced that right is that katatikarn Katatikarn. cool cool yeah so Please help me welcome Jasmine. She's the co-founder of the Academy of Animated Art. She's had a decade or more of experience working as a senior light artist at Blue Sky Studios, where she contributed to many acclaimed films, including Ice Age, Rio, and Ferdinand, among others. She founded the Academy of Animated Art with Michael Tanzillo, and their goal was to develop a training program that would allow students to gain industry-required skills more quickly and also fill in some skills gaps that might be kind of apparent in newly graduated career 3D artists. The Academy offers a full range of artist-focused 3D animation courses tailored for those looking to jumpstart their careers, and Jasmine helps ensure the curriculum continuously adapts to changing needs of the animation industry. So we're happy to have Jasmine join us today to share her expertise and shed some light, pun intended, on the um, on the career on a career in animation. Join me in giving her a warm welcome, and we'll get to it. So, uh, yeah, if you if you have any like a few words to say about yourself, if, like any corrections, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I am Jasmine Katadakarn. Um, you're correct. I worked in the industry or working industry for. More than two decades now. Oh, two decades? Wow. Yeah, about a decade of that time was at Blue Sky Studios as a senior lighting artist. We generated films like Ice Age, Burner, Spies in Skies, Peanuts, lots of movies there. And then the other half, I worked in visual effects um, at places like Framestore and The Mill, where I worked on partial projects and some, uh, some film. So yeah, and I'm based in New York City, and I co-founded the Academy of Art nearly 10 years ago. Great. And how's it been going so far? I mean, it's, I, I, I didn't realize it had already been like a decade. How's it going? Like life? Life's pretty good. Um, <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, that too. Uh, yeah, the Academy's going really well. I mean, I will say if I was just looking back on when we started... And the reason why we started the Academy was way back when I was going on recruiting trips to Blue Sky Studios and I was going to many amazing art schools within the United States. Um, but when I was looking at students' portfolios, it it made me a little bit sad, to be honest with you, because they, they didn't have the portfolio or it, was, it became evident that a lot of students weren't learning what they needed to know to actually get the job, specifically in lighting. So I feel like is one of the specialties in animation that, you know, is one very specialized, but then also very unique in the fact that you need a certain eye specifically in order really, to really. And it seemed like it was a reluctant. I came back to Blue Sky and talked to my co-founder at the time, and we were basically just talking over lunch, like, you know, how 
how sad it is that students are spending so much money and yet their portfolios after, you know, so many years still didn't show something to get them into a place like Blue Sky, per se. And and he actually had gone on recruiting trips himself, too, separately from me, and he found the same thing. And then I looked back on my very expensive um, education, and I thought back, you know what? I didn't really learn what I know now, obviously, but, like, what made me the lighting artist I know now is all learned on the job. And then I started thinking about my own expensive education, and I thought... Mm. Well, I actually did not learn what I needed to know. And a lot of what I knew, especially within lighting, right. happened on the job. Right. And that's when we were saying, me and my co-founder at the time, we were like, maybe someone should teach this, first of all. And then we looked at each other and was like, why don't we just teach it? Because we, we know exactly what students need to get this job, what, what they should focus on and what especially what not to focus on. I think that's a really important element to say. And that's how the Academy of Animator started. And we started out really small. I remember we just like decided to open up a class, an online class, and still remember when that first person um, enrolled, I was in like, like, wow, are we really doing this? Nice. And we did, and 10 years later, you know, we've gone through a couple iterations on you know, just the model of how we teach, how we make it flexible for our students and affordable. But yeah, I could say we've had hundreds of students come through the academy and those emails where, you know, the messages I got my first job in the industry never get, they never get old. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been a journey, but it's been really fulfilling and great. That's, that's awesome. So um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us would be curious uh maybe what um, what some of those gaps might be. Um, and, and you mentioned lighting. I mean, I think the funny thing about lighting for people like myself, I guess, who are like self-taught is there's a lot of, there are a lot of resources online for, for the more sort of workshoppy aspects of 3D production, you know, like model, like pushing birds around how to use software, how to use certain features of software some bits about about theory also. But then I think lighting, it is kind of an elusive uh, thing to really to really grasp. Um, I imagine probably because a lot of it, like a lot of what goes into it is really sort of a deep knowledge of, I guess, visual theory, if you might call it that, or what were things that you um, you had learned on the job, I guess, that, that or what were things that you wish um, people had kind of delved into more buffs in in school yeah. well i mean you kind of touched upon it and i feel like well what what my education focused on i think what a lot of people when they you know embark on this journey to learn 3d is they first focus on software first like mm -hmm. their main focus is to learn whatever software learn what all the buttons do and whatnot yeah. and honestly that's what i did too that's what kind of the school's taught as well like you're going in the the class the classes are called like you know my uh one like you know they're they're actually called oh. names right so okay. you can see where a lot of the focus is and i think that's where you know you can see especially with something like lighting like you said it's a very it is super technical right lighting the faithful goes on to the technical but 
it also is quite foundational in the arts, right? There's right. something about a big thing that we have our students do is train your eye and on the foundations on what what you're looking to do, what makes good lighting. Because without that, it doesn't matter what buttons you can you know how to push if you don't know what what you're studying. Right. Or how great your models are, your textures yeah. even. And lighting is something where you do have to train your eye. It doesn't many people do have a natural sense of, you know, dual like inclination towards lighting. But even then, you don't really understand what you're seeing or what you're trying to achieve. And what where we focus in our students and what I saw lacking in my own education and in these reels that I was looking at is the why. Why are you lighting? What are you trying to achieve? What story are you trying to tell? And mm. that's a thing. Lighting is another, every form of animation in the pipeline, I believe, is part of telling that story. Very. Light is definitely a huge, we're just storytellers in different ways, right? An animator uses movement, a lighter uses light to tell that story. And that's the foundation that you start thinking about as a, to become a really great lighter. And then what story are you trying to tell? And then, then you say like, how am I telling that story? And that's where like shaping comes into play. Like how does light shape temperatures of light intensities, like positioning. And I feel like the, the downfall for like, if you go to a lighting one-on-one, they're like, oh, three point lighting, I'm done. Right. I haven't seen yeah. it. Or HDR is even like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't need to know my light. I'll just put an HDR around that. But if you don't know the foundations of what makes a good light um, or what makes a good visual, what you're trying to achieve, it makes it really hard. It's almost like yeah. AI, right? Like, yeah, you can have ChatGPT like put out all this stuff for you. But unless you know if it's right or wrong, it's kind of like, okay... You know, that's going to set you apart. And that's essentially what a light, like a, a really great lighting artist, especially the ones that you see in these like feature animated studio, film studios, super specialized. They hone their eye. They can, they, it doesn't matter what software, and that's a big part of how we teach that software is agnostic. Like, we don't teach you the software, we teach you how to be a good lighter so that you can go into any software and then light. So if you go into like dailies and a big studio, they're not telling you like what buttons to push or how to adjust this and this thing. They're just giving you general lighting notes, right? They're saying, like, right. you know, push that key or like turn that, that shaping's off or I'm not, I'm not seeing where I'm supposed to be seeing. Like it's, it's just artistic, um, direction. And then you right. need to be able to take that artistic direction and then apply it to the technical side. That's where you figure out where the buttons push. But before that, so that's the big thing. I think most people go straight to the software thinking there's some magical button. If they can find that, it's going to yeah. be a beauty button. When really, no, the first step is get your eye on there. Oh, right. Your skills. And then the software is all just tools, right? Yeah. That allow you to then achieve that on the screen. So that's the biggest thing that I've seen, um, and that's what I was seeing when I was looking at student reels, that, okay, you might know how to put an HDR on there, but that's, you gotta go further than that. You gotta, right. Yeah. Cool. So, um, 
so does the academy focus strictly on lighting or is it so we started out with lighting so we have a specifically for feature animation now we have visual effects but i will say we we are expanding out to the other specialties like modeling and animation and in the coming months so it's gonna be pretty exciting nice yeah totally if you could break down sort of the 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 principles of lighting into like different categories how what what categories would these be i think the main principles of light we actually have a like master class on this so you can google i saw and I'm, I'm i saw that i'm totally i'm totally gonna like i'm totally gonna yeah so i mean the base things in lighting is you know shaping you're able to visually shape something and this is where, like, I love one of our very first exercises that we have students do. It might be my favorite one. It's so simple. But we give them a scene of just primitives, just like spheres and, you know, squares and whatnot. And they like that. And it seems like it might seem so simple, right? It's like, wait, no, I want to light a whole environment, a character and all that stuff. But we have them take that scene, use a reference from, you know, one of their favorite films or something, a lighting reference, and then mimic that in this very simple geometric scene. And I think the results are beautiful. And what that does is really focus you on shaping because then you have all these different um, objects. You have a sphere, you have something that's more like a cube, you have a pyramid, and then it allows you like, how does a light shape? And it kind of gets you on on that kind of um, thinking, right? Yeah. So that's one big thing of visual shaping. Another one is directing the viewer's eye. So a big thing, and this is about storytelling, right, is especially in like feature animation, something more, maybe less VFX related, but when you're like really trying to tell a story and you have the power to like, basically the viewer would look, right? Yeah. I joke that the animator could like animate someone dancing like amazingly well, but if the lighter chooses to put that dance up, yeah. We're gonna look at yeah yeah you've got like the ultimate say like you've got like <laughs> so i think that's like directing the viewer's eye like you have a huge power in that and how you decide to light kind of the contrast and that's where you can play with a lot of things like light against dark dark against light um you know mood that goes with the mood you're like the and that goes with the lighting temperatures the intensities the direction so I think that would be like third one. So I'd say like shaping, directing viewer's eye, creating the mood for for the scene are all like really key elements in lighting. And if you can bring all of that together, then you're you're telling your story with light and it's a beautiful thing. It's awesome. Like the fascinating thing about that for me also is what separates 3D maybe from 2D or painting is that there's like there's all this possibility but then we're also working within the constraints i mean well maybe not all the time but like sort of achieving that 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 physical space naturalism like what what goes into that because you know like a, um i think like an example would be let's say if you were working with a stage that had an overcast environment like it was supposed to be the setting was supposed to be in an overcast sky I'm not sure actually if like HDRs are used at all, um, but but uh, if they were, like they'd be used alongside actual lights, right? How, for example, would one 
um, shape the subject in lighting conditions where the divider um, between like light and shadow is a little a little more blurred and you know yeah no it's a great question I mean that's where yeah that the artist really comes into play because you want it to you want it to fit into a scene right you don't want yeah. to take your odd your whatever CG adapter into an overcast scene and and cast like a red light on it or a really bright sunlight because then someone's going to wondering you know that even the person that's not super aware of you know what's going on they're going to know something's wrong so I will say one of the most um, challenging but also really says how great a lighting artist is is when they when they light dark scenes um, and that kind of like relates to your overcast. So basically you, you adhere, right? It depends also the, whatever shot it is. Um, if it's like a feature, if it's like a fully feature animated shot versus like a VFX shot, there's right. probably different approaches and also different artistic licenses that you can see. Right. Yeah. I imagine. But I will say, let's say it's like the hybrid, right? Let's say mm -hmm. it's, you want it to fit into the scene, but you also you want it to feel natural and that's where you have like really subtleties going on where it's like things that you might not you don't want to like pump in a something that looks like sunlight in there right but you want to fit in but maybe you want some shaping there and that's where like super like we call them like wrap lights that you can like put on as like super soft i almost see it here. i'm like okay like you want to see here like a soft wrap light that gives you that shaping but it's not like overkill it's super subtle and that's why right. I, that there's an art with this is where it's like really easy almost to light a really just bright scene with a strong sun it's mm -hmm. kind of obvious but it's these subtle situations like with an overcast or a dark scene where all of a sudden you have to like really look into those subtleties and sometimes you would have light you'd have like that's why i kind of laugh at the three-point lighting because you know, you should see some of these light rings. They're crazy. There's like, like lots of lights, not just three lights. And right. but they have. You can do things where you have like a series of really soft, like area lights, like um, diffuse lights that kind of create this. I keep doing this to my. Chin. If if you're just listening to audio, you're not seeing it. But like, create that shaping in a super subtle way, and it's an art form itself to be able to do that. So to answer your question, yeah. You can you can provide shaping, but keep it to fit into that scene, um, but super subtle. And when done properly, it's beautiful. And that's the thing about lighting; it's a little bit of an invisible art sometimes, especially when you're dealing with like visual effects. Because the best lighting, you would never notice it. Um, right. Yeah. It's a scene, right? It, it's it's when you do notice it that you're like, oops, not not so great. <laughs> so. It's one of those interesting things, but I mean, yeah. that's how there's ways to, but I would say like, it's very subtle and you would basically kind of craft, like you'd have to know how to position that, like craft it, what, like how to make it super soft uh, right. to create that shaping, but yet still feel like it's in that space. So you're not getting the dramatic shadows, right? You've got those. Shadows are a huge thing in lighting. I always say, look at the shadows yeah. first, and then you'll know almost everything we need to know about how to light that shot. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, because I think it's, I mean, the thing about it being so subtle also is that 
I mean, I, I think that may also be why it's very elusive for someone starting out looking at like great renders or great shots from films or animations. You kind of, uh, you can't put your finger on it, but then when you try to replicate it, it just isn't there, you know, because, and then that's, yeah. So awesome. Really interesting. So I think maybe at this point we can kind of just talk a little bit about like what you've got going on now. Maybe talk to us a bit about the the diversity mentoring program yeah. you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, along with the academy, um, with the kind of professional education piece that we have going on to get students directly jobs in the industry, another uh, kind of pipeline, part of the pipeline has sprung up. For the academy where we're focusing on a younger generation the younger demographic to introduce them to the world of animation and this came up because i was part of a SIGGRAPH panel um, a couple years ago now on diversity and we we're all talking about how the industry is not very diverse and what can we do to kind of you know solve this and while everyone was kind of focused on the current state, like within the studios, how can we increase diversity within the studios? I question like, wait, is the applicant pool diverse? Because it's one thing, it's really hard to change diversity the studios, but mm -hmm. let's look at the applicant pool and the applicant pool wasn't diverse. And this is where I was like, okay, I think we should play the long game here. And this is where I looked at my experience with the academy and I was like, you know what? I have experience. I've developed an online curriculum for education in this space for adults. Why not translate that for a younger generation to introduce them to animation? Because I know I didn't have, you know, I came into animation actually pretty late after college. I had no idea that animation was even a viable option. And also within animation, there's a lot of obstacles, right? Like hardware and software and just knowledge. So that's what led me to create the Diversity Action Program, which we just launched last year. And 100 students in New York City middle schools went through this after-school program on introducing them to the world of animation. And we're expanding this year to many more schools. But our hope is, and we're doing is to create a full education pipeline from as young as four years old to start wow. to animation. Yeah. Having the concepts like the first classes are not in front of the screen. We want them to, you know, learn kind of going back to like learning the foundations, learning the basics, oh, putting salt right in front of them. So especially in their early childhood, they're doing like, you know, stop motion and playing with clay. They're right. making drama tropes or flip books, things like that. And then that leads us as they get older to then introduce them into more of, you know, the software specific all the way to high school where they can get in more into 3D. So, and then providing them access to the resources and the hardware for that. So that's um, the Academy's mission, current mission to kind of create this full education pipeline and just inspire um, creativity and animation from a young age, and that ultimately increased diversity in the industry. That is so cool. I kind of wish I was a kid again. But, um, yeah. yeah. 
pick is something I wish I <laughs> you had a that's insane. What would you say is like are the main hurdles to, to diversity uh, in the first place? Is it really like um, financial inaccessibility? Like because um, is it because animation is like generally like uh, pretty costly it is to get into? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a couple of things. I think you know at at a young one, I think it's just awareness, right? That animation is. Uh, it's a craft that you can actually have as a career, not just like the the shows you watch or the games you play, right? Right. There's actually people that are working on this, uh, and there's a spectrum of people. That's what I love about animation. It goes from the spectrum of like very technical but into like very artistic and everything in between. So I always say there's something for everyone within the animation pipeline. So I think one, it's awareness, right? Uh, that it's even a viable option, a creative option. I feel like one of those things I was told as a kid, I was very creative as a kid and I loved the arts, but I was always very kind of persuaded not to pursue that because it's not practical. Yeah. I don't want to be a starving artist. Like all the It's that stigma, that I guess. And that goes to another thing, kind of parent education, right? In right. a way, like, there are so many possible six quote unquote successful careers in the creative fields like animation. And yeah. if, you know, perhaps the parents know this as well, they would encourage it more to go to foster that. Right. Creativity. Yeah. So I think that's general awareness, student and parent awareness. And then as you put it, then I'd say the third would be accessibility right as you dive more into especially like the 3d animation world yeah there's the yeah. this is software um i think those things are there's options and i've been looking into them like of how we can kind of break down those barriers um there's a lot more web kind of 3d coming out to help oh yes well to it i think 3d in general is becoming more accessible not only to for sure generation, but to the older ones too. So I think but if but historically, yes, it's been really hard to break into 3D because unless you went to school that had that taught that software, had that hardware the machinery, like I still say for Unreal, it's still really difficult because that hardware you need to have hardware. Right. Yeah. So those I would say, especially on the like financial diversity range, is a big blocker so i'm yeah i'm already looking into like how we can unblock that how can we provide these resources to a wider audience um yeah that's kind of the diversity pro program but i think as you put it like awareness that it even is a viable option and then to yeah financial accessibility point cool i remember sort of getting to that point where like I was kind of looking to like actually render scenes and then realizing that like like putting together an animated scene is one thing and then kind of rendering it on your local computer is just like and I mean I had no idea like back then you know like exactly what hardware I needed for what purpose really I mean it's also kind of why like I really enjoy like working at a render farm okay so I think Maybe the last thing we will touch on is AI. I mean, and it, 
uh, like it's it's by now yeah it's that it's it's super exhausted like everyone is you know but i think um ai for 3d specifically is something that is only just emerging like i don't think there are any like image to 3d model uh models that are available that actually generate models that are like at a certain level of like production quality but then at the same time there are all of these like platforms that make like titleable textures from from text prompts but i think going back to lighting i think that's one of the things that will be really really difficult to accelerate with the use of ai um just because like uh if we were looking if we looked at like the the images that are coming out now, for example, like models that are generated, and I mean, already, like it, it has, it's been what, like a year, two years, and it's just everything is just homogenized at this point, in in my opinion. You know, it's like every like everything looks like it's lit more or less the same way. Like there are maybe five like looks that like all of the all of the good AI images that are around the you know, that are like doing the rounds seem to have. So what are your thoughts on that? Like what, how, like, how do you, well, maybe first, like how would, how do you imagine AI could be helpful to the study of lighting and on the, on the reverse, like how, what are things about reliance on AI that might inhibit, you know, like your, your development as a lighting artist? Yeah, it's a good question. And I will say, yeah, AI has been in the air quite a bit. And while the one thing I'll say about Gen AI, and as you said, like AI with 3D, although the phrase like AI has been definitely talked about so much. Yeah. One thing is it's still so new, right? Right. Uh, like you said, and especially within 3D. So there's still so many things in development. So many unknowns um and you're right i was text to like the 3d model there are, i i just came from sigraph actually and to quote someone on the top there they were talking about a text to 3d model generator and someone asked how's the how's the output and i don't take credit for this was the best line i heard was oh it's a hot mesh so <laughs> basically it's That's like awesome, right like yeah. it's the messy, it's not production ready. It's, it's yeah, yeah. Messy. and I just, I laughed so hard. I mean, that was the best line. Um, but so there's a lot of work to be done, but then a lot of opportunity too. So I feel like specifically, as you say, within lighting, it's interesting because you're right. It's kind of, it's, but even before AI kind of has, you know, peaked and really been in the news. I was working somewhere where they were trying to automate lighting. Uh, they were trying to automate the process of lighting mm-hmm. and came in and this is after they had tried for like years and yeah. I came in and they found out I was a lighting specialist and from these um, like engineers and, you know, scientists, their first response was like, oh man, lighting's hard. Like basically they had, they couldn't do it. They couldn't automate 3D lighting. And when I think it was a really interesting discovery on their part because they went into the challenge like, oh, of course, like I can automate this, you know, we can kind of omit the artist um, in this lighting process. 
and they couldn't like and they were kind of baffled man but was that really their goal though like that's kind of crushing to hear i mean and they were saying is this was a while back and they were just seeing how we oh okay yeah but it was just a funny comment that they're like well lighting's hard and i mean i think the same will go go with ai in a way where you know how I see AI with lighting or any of these things, it's kind of like a wrapper. It's a tool. It's a productivity tool. Or right. it's see it, you know, maybe there's AI, like you maybe text prompt, unless I'm making it up. Maybe you text prompt like some kind of lighting scenario. It gets you, I mean, puts a rig out there and then that gets you, it's a productivity save, right? It right. gets you, you'd be 60%. You know, seventy percent, and then you come in with your expertise and refine it, and then that saves you time on that shot by X amount. Um, because the thing with lighting, and that's why I think these engineers and scientists were like, "This is really hard," is that there is that element of a non-technical, like just plugging the numbers. Like you have to see something and know how to craft it, just like how to sculpt something. So I don't know. So that's what I see. I basically see AI and lighting as, of course, there'll be productivity tools. There's already things out there. Like you mentioned the materials. I know Substance has like materials, text to prompt thing coming on to Oh, wow. There are, there are AI kind of, or kind of automated things where, you know, you will take a back plate and make an HDR out of it. So mm -hmm. Mimics that environment and gets that lighting there. But I will say, even in those models, I think they need to be refined, like to get sure. to that next level. So, in a, for in general, though, what I see AI is a tool, another tool set in in a belt, right? Yeah. So like, and it's a it's a huge productivity tool. So especially for the person that's the individual that wants to create something like the, for the creative person yeah make tool like you could make things on your own that probably would not have been possible you know five years ago yeah so that's where i mean my whole stance right now on ai is just be curious it's so new yeah it and even though it's like everywhere everyone's in the same boat in the way that we're like kind of exploring seeing what's working what's not and like harness that if you if we're like on the forefront of understanding the tools and seeing how we can leverage them for our own uses mm -hmm. then that's power right instead yeah. of reading in fear of like what's gonna what's this what is this gonna mean to my craft like no instead like what can i do to right yeah right yeah yeah like, I don't have the answers about AI. I think no one can say specifically, especially within the 3D space. But I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of tools that are going to come out. They're going to increase productivity. And they're going to, you know, help you. I think one thing I will say about AI and lighting is something that I've been playing with, too. It's like a brainstorming tool. Kind of like look that in the way that it can oh, yeah. ideate faster, right? I think that would be a really cool thing as a lighting artist to be like, what if, you know, this looked like this and it can kind of help you get visualizations faster on certain things that you're trying to do. So, but like I said, it's a tool like, and then help you kind of 
expand your work and your your create creative output. So it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting time. But yeah, my my stance on it's be ex- explore, be curious, and just try it out and see what's out there, right? But at the end of the day, I still say like with any craft, with any creative craft, there's there's going to to set people apart from AI almost. Like to set people apart that can just type in the AI versus to excel whatever visual. Yeah. That expert, the person that really knows how to craft whatever skill set they have, will still excel, right? Yeah. Um so yeah, it's the interesting time for sure. Yeah. One of the elephants in the room, I guess, is how it might affect the motivation, I guess, for people who are learning the craft. It's another crutch, maybe, that people might lean on a little too much. Or, or what, 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 do you, what do you think about that? Like, do you think that's a thing? Or Yeah, so you're basically saying, so people are going to skip the part where they learn, like, how to write a sentence and just, it'll just like, get, yeah. I mean, educate. Yeah. I mean... In all honesty, the very first time I saw Chat GPT when it first came out, this was, I don't even know how long ago now. My first thing I said, I was like, oh God, kids are not going to know how to write anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, because I, when I was playing with it, I was just doing all texts, like writing prompts and stuff like that. It is a valid concern. And I think it's like, that's where, you know, I think educators in general are very concerned like, or, is the younger generation going to know how to write paragraph, right? Write a sentence. Yes. Oh, and if need be. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, I don't know about things like writing sentences and whatnot. I mean, hopefully school, like, that's something an educator or a school can hopefully, like, figure out that solution, like, in class, you know, have that. So... But for the person at home, right, that sees, oh, well, I could just easily push that button, get that AI. I don't have to worry about, well, you know, the foundation. And to that person, I'll say, well, like I said, yes, imagine all the people that can push that button now and get to wherever that image generates. Mm-hmm. Sure. If that's where you want to be, be there. If you want to bring yourself and your work and bring set yourself apart from now the masses. You focus on the foundation. Yeah. That's how you are going to excel over everyone can push that button. Everyone can do it front. But can they see, like if you're talking about lightning, can they see what really makes it like, can they see what sets that for what, how you can really make that even better that, the person that sees it is going to see these two images when you'd be like, no, that person right there knows what they're doing. Um, so it's, it's, it's the choice of the user really in that, in this case, if it's that yeah. kind of like, where do you want to be? Um, what kind of, what kind of output do you want? So yeah, it's an interesting question. Cool. Okay. So. I think maybe the last thing I'll pick your brain on is because you've had so much experience in the industry, what is the state of the industry now? I think one of the concerns with uh, the Writers Guild Association, I think the execs are kind of trying to 
look into how they might like use AI to to as a as a way to kind of um, devalue their work even more. I mean, I'm speaking like loosely. I'm not really that informed. But are there similar concerns in like the VFX industry or the anime? Well, probably not the animation industry because that's not really something that you'd be able to. But but in general, I guess in 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 computer graphics and yeah, it would be. It's all connected. I will say all connected, especially within the writer's strike and the actor's strike. I mean, the VFX industry is directly um feature animation somewhat not as much because as you said like writers are in house and stuff like that with those but i mean ai itself i mean i believe there should be some kind of regulation um i i do yeah i highly believe there should be some kind of regulation to you know protect creative rights and whatnot i'm not sure what that looks like um but i agree there should be I feel like from the CG perspective with AI, it's an inter- interesting time. It's kind of, it's this uncertain, I mean, I'll say it's uncertain, right? There's this thing where people just don't know. And honestly, I just came back from SIGGRAPH and I expected to hear a lot of answers or, you know, but it was surprisingly quiet. Um, to be honest with you, and everyone's kind of like not sure where where things are going. I mean, nothing's closing. Down. I mean, things are. I think one of the big things now is not necessarily the AI and CG is is for VFX and everything is things like the writers, right? Like it just you know everything as I say is connected, so it's kind of well um, that the vibe going on within AI specifically to you. Yeah, it is a concern, right? Um, but at the same time, the way I feel about it is like, what's opening it up? Like, yes, AI can create more productivity, speed and tools within the, the industry. But then also, whenever that happens, I feel like other things open up and I'm kind of on the lookout for like what is what are those opportunities and i believe that there is something out there and that's why i'm thinking when i talk to people in these times where people are just not sure like i can't say anything in confidence um that this is going to happen that's going to happen but i can say it's a time to explore it's a time to instead of wait and see like yeah explore yourself and then you could become the asset to like you know right it's going to happen or you could be in the forefront of it who knows the other thing with ai coming out in general i think there's a couple of themes that i'm starting to see is one kind of the comeback of the generalists in a way within the 3d space mm-hmm. yeah uh, it's gonna be much more influential to not necessarily, not necessarily only know one specialty within it, but to have more of a general um, kind of skill set. But I will say the superpower, and I've heard this, and I completely agree with this, is to be a generalist, but with a specialist. Um, with yeah. a generalist. So, like, it gives you kind of that diversity, right? And I feel like 
the time is seems to be coming for more of the age of with generalists in 3D. So that's something to really tap upon. And then you can also utilize your generalist skills in so many ways that can complement AI. And the other thing that I would say that I'm seeing is also expand your vision of the careers within 3D. Because originally, you know, 3D industry is quite small. And usually <laughs> like, oh, it's feature animation, it's visual effects, it's gaming, right? Um, and TV, like everything, like visual effects and shows and whatnot. So it's all within the entertainment industry. But I'll say 3D is expanding. The 3D need for for people with this specialty is expanding out to tech, to products, to retail, to so many different avenues. Medicine even, yeah. Like Yeah, exactly. Automo like there's so many different avenues. So start thinking outside of the entertainment industry because the great thing about 3D is it's still very niche. Like the 3D community is quite small as a whole. And the people with this skill set is really small. And the demand is only going to be growing for 3D as other things come out, the way people design things, develop things. They're going to need 3D. Even photography, right? Photography is going to where it's more like virtual, you know, 3D photography, right? Yeah. So that's a huge opportunity for anyone in 3D space. So that's another thing I'll say with all this rise of AI and just 3D kind of expanding outside of the traditional entertainment fields, like you should expand as well and see what those possible are. So it's, I think it's, it's a, it's a really interesting time for 3D. And I think it's a really good time. Like if you go take action, like right. um, be curious, right? Yeah. Um, and it's pretty exciting. Cool. So thanks again so much, Jasmine, for dropping by. Um, and maybe if there's anything else, any other announcement you'd like to make or. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, anyone interested more in the Academy can find us at academyofanimatearts.com. And there you'll find, you know, our free masterclass and all courses and everything you need to know about lighting. Awesome.